At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. It is four days and counting until the return of Eagles football. The 2021 season getting ready to get underway. We're underway here on Bird 365. As you can tell by the screen, it's me, Jody Mack. I got Jeff Kerr as my co-host today because my usual co-host has got to get tested. And it is not a drunken driving test or anything. He's got to go get a COVID test to make sure he's okay to cover the Eagles on uh, Sunday. That would be one John McMullen, who's going to start the show as a guest rather than a co-host. McMullen, you haven't failed any of these tests, have you? No, not yet. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be taking this one if I failed one. So, uh, so far now, now you got me worried about it, Jody. That's my. That's my job is to scare you, John McMullen. Yeah, yeah, and 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 by the way, I woke up with some allergies, so I immediately go, "Oh, uh, here we go." But uh, you know, I'm fine. I'll I'll, I'll get through. Pop in that Allegra D, John. You'll be good as new. <laughs> Yeah, I find as I get older, I, I never had allergies when I was younger. Now they pop up quite a bit more. I don't mm. know if that's uh, – you guys have had the same path. But, we're yeah, I, I imagine Eagles fans want us to go down a different road. Here I go. <laughs> yeah, I had allergies when I was a kid. Now I'm good. Uh, the question is, are the Eagles good? Or how good are the Eagles? A little roster juggling, John, adding a late cornerback – to the mix. Don't know how much they're going to be able to get him up for speed this week, but he's on the roster, so he's going to play. Give us your take on uh, the new Mac who's coming to town. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't know much about him as a player. I don't know how many people do. Obviously, an undrafted free agent coming in. Got a lot of length. That's the one thing I looked at the Eagles' original 53. I think I mentioned it on the show, Jody. I, I did not like the depth at outside corner behind Darius Slay and Steve Nelson. Uh, and they've already addressed it potentially twice. If you go back to Andre Shashure, uh, <laughs> we, we figured out how to pronounce that name. If you go back to him, now he might play safety as well because he had some versatility. But it's pretty clear that they weren't happy with the depth uh, in the secondary. And when you looked at things, that, that made a lot of sense. As promising as Zach McPherson looked as a rookie against second and third teamers, you saw it get a little bit worse when they when they sort of tested him uh, against first teamers. Um, and I always talk about just for young corners in this league, it's just really difficult to play right away. So Look, I, I think they'll be fine if Slay and Steve Nelson are healthy, but that's a position where you look all around this league. You need five, six corners to play during a season because those guys, those guys are going to get nicked up. They're going to get a hammy, and they got to be an optimal level. So, you know, if a cornerback has just got a little bit of a strained hamstring or something like that, you probably don't want to push it. So you need you need depth at that position. John, I was talking to Tony Gonzalez yesterday, and we were kind of, you know, 
we were talking about the Falcons a little bit, and he said, you know, don't be surprised if Matt Ryan slings it on, on Sunday, especially with the Eagles secondary. What do you feel is going to be, you know, what do the Eagles have to do essentially to kind of stop that from, you know, pretty much Ryan throwing 40 times for about 400 yards? Uh, I think it's got to be the pass rush. I think it's got to be that defensive line, and they got to get home with four. Uh, it can't be. I know everybody loves the blitz. I know everybody's excited to see some uh, Mike Zimmer-like looks, and they think it's going to be more variable, more varied fronts. We go back to Jim Swartz. We were talking about Alex Singleton yesterday. You want to get home with four, and you want to be able to cover as many people as possible. The good news is – uh, the defensive line is really good. It's I, I think it's one of the best in football, uh, and I think it's got a chance to be the best, especially if Josh Sweat uh, turns the corner like a lot of people think he is going to do this season. So it's going to be a lot with the Eagles' defense. It's on those guys. I mean, those guys are good, and the back seven is questionable, to be kind. I would say certainly the front four is, is the strength of this defensive team, but I, I'm going to buy into what JG's uh, selling, and I think they are going to blitz, John. And if you believe that they truly believe, they believe that they can cause turnovers, that turnovers are a key, that the whole hits uh, mantra of uh, getting those turnovers. A lot of times when you bring that extra guy, not only does he get there, he gets there clean and he gets there unexpected, which can mean tip passage, which can mean hit the quarterback while he's throwing it, get the ball up in the air. I do think they're going to be aggressive. The question is, if that's the case, if they're bringing an extra, which they did very infrequently with Jim Swartz, where's it coming from? Linebacker, safety, or do you think we're going to see some action off the corner a couple times during this game to try and uh, confuse Matty Ice a little bit? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not saying they're never going to blitz. Obviously, they're going to blitz uh, on occasion. I, I think the, the hope would be that you don't need the blitz very much. Um, and, you know, I think they're going to play a lot of, of cover two, cover three, which I don't think should be a surprise. That's been um, Gannon's thought process through the whole thing. But, yeah, I'm, I'm interested when he does give the A-gap looks. I know Jannard Avery was the one who kind of did it a little bit in the preseason. Um, and he's got some pass rush ability, but he's been banged up. He's back at practice. So we'll we'll check the participation report today and see how close he is, if he's able to go. Um, but, I, I mean, if you do, you don't – you talk about safety. There's there's no Harrison Smith here. There's, uh, there's no Darius Leonard here. There's no Anthony Barr here. So hey, it's a fair question. I mean, if you have those kinds of players, it's easy to dial that up. It's not as easy to dial up when you don't have those players, and it's more about the surprise aspect of it. And let by me, the way, me, me, Matt uh, Ryan is sorry, John. Go ahead. Matt Ryan has seen everything. It's going to be tough to fool him. The thing with Matt Ryan, you just got to make him uncomfortable, and that's where the pass rush comes. But he's not going to be. He's not going to be surprised by a blitz. He is a veteran. I'll give you that. Um, Ryan Kerrigan. We've seen so little of him because of the uh, hand problem that he suffered during the preseason. The first 
couple of weeks when he first came in, when camp opened up, people were uh, pleasantly surprised. Hey, he's still got the step. He's going to be able to contribute here. And uh, he's been in, in bubble wrap for a while now. Uh, how close is he? What kind of a fact do you think he plays here week one? Yeah, I, guess, I mean, he hasn't practiced, so we'll we'll see. We'll have a better indication today if he's got a chance to play. Originally, when he had the thumb surgery, they said seven to ten days. So, in theory, he should be ready to go. Uh, I, he's one of those guys where I don't necessarily worry about preseason reps. So, hopefully, he is healthy. Um, I, I think his role is more interesting. Is he going to be just the fourth defensive end? Uh, in that case, you know, you're talking probably 20, 25 percent of the snaps, maybe um, because you're so deep. Um, or is or is he going to be in the mix for that Sam linebacker role, which would be new for him? But he played three, four outside linebacker. It's not like there's going to be a ton of coverage responsibilities. But I guess what if if. If you need somebody to drop into coverage, if it's his own blitz look or something like that, I mean, he's got more experience doing it than Gennard Avery or Patrick Johnson or somebody like that. Now, I, I have heard the curveball, and I probably threw it out there, that we might show up and Alex Singleton might play a little bit of that spot. Uh, and you have Eric Wilson and TJ Edwards. So there's different ways you can go about it. Uh, and throw a little bit of a curveball, which I know the Eagles are very interested in doing. And maybe that would be the best route to go at that sand linebacker position. And then sort of, you know, Alex is smart enough to where he can play Sam linebacker in those situations and then move back inside off ball and still be that three down linebacker they need. So. There's a lot of ways they can go, but one thing you can say about that particular position, a lot of uncertainty, and that's been a theme for this Eagles. So a lot of uncertainty surrounds this team. John, I think the Eagles have a couple options here. I know one that's out, you probably do too, but who the heck is going to be responsible for Kyle Pitts on Sunday? Uh, good question. I, I, I would say, Jeff, that, you know, and I say the same thing about Devontae Smith here. I mean, I think Kyle Pitts is going to be a great player. Um, I think he's going to be really, really difficult. But I also think he's going to have some hiccups uh, uh, as a rookie player. Every rookie player does. You go back to, to Jefferson last year, um, historic rookie season, whatever he ended up, 1,400 yards. Okay, he wasn't a starter week one. He didn't even start. Um there's a ramp up period for these guys. So I would say it looks, it looks bad on paper. Who do you have to stop a player like that? But I think you're getting a little bit of a break getting him so early in the season, because I think he's going to need time to get his feet on the ground and, and figure things out. So I, I think that alone will help the Eagles. And I think they're going to throw a bunch of different looks at him for that reason. I don't think it's going to be one guy. I don't think it's going to be Anthony Harris or Rodney McLeod if he's healthy. Or, or we just mentioned the Sam linebacker. If they did that, JG would be crazy. And I don't think he's crazy. Um, I think they're going to throw a lot of different looks at him to try to confuse him. That is a player they can confuse. <laughs> they're probably not going to confuse Matt Ryan. J-Mac, uh, as uh 
Jeff just told us he had a chance to talk to Tony Gonzalez, and he's looking for Matt Ryan to throw and throw and throw some more in the opener. I would, too, because I don't know about you. Mike Davis doesn't scare me. Uh, the yeah, last they have years, no running game, so they have to throw it. Exactly. Yeah. He was okay in Carolina at best. They just picked up Wayne Goldman, who's a guy I actually liked when he was with the Giants. I thought he did a yeoman's job with Barkley out of the lineup uh, last year, but they just picked him up, so he's not even ingratiated into that system much. There's a chance that uh, Matty Ice may put it up 45 to 50 times on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, that's the strength. Calvin Ridley's a really good receiver. Uh, they're not as good as they once were, obviously, with no Julio Jones. But they do have Kyle Pitts. Uh, they do have, uh, uh, you know, you might see a lot of 12 personnel, but it's not really 12 because <laughs> Kyle Pitts is more of a receiver. So I always talk about those labeling personnel things. It, does, it doesn't really matter. You're labeling, okay, there's two tight ends on the field, but one acts like a receiver. So... I, I I, think they have to throw the ball because you're right with Mike Davis. I mean, Cordero Patterson is their backup running back for now. I, you know, and that, that, that guy, and that, we should talk about that. I said, that guy scares me on kickoff returns. You better, you better kick it out of the end zone or he can come out from nine yards deep. And I haven't seen much from these special teams groups, to be honest. Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa, and, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside made the team <laughs> because of his outstanding special teams play. Yeah. I, I think, and I'm I'm on record with this, and I mentioned it with Krause last night we were doing the show. I, it, to me, he is, and, and it doesn't even matter in the modern NFL because most places you just take it at the 25 and go. He is the best kickoff returner I've ever seen. He is the Justin Tucker of kickoff returners. Uh, he will take it nine yards deep and he will, he, he will, you can go back to the Chip Kelly days. Remember what the Eagles did when Patterson, uh, was returning kicks. They, they, they fractured their whole game plan by just trying to kick it away from them and giving them great field position every single time. Look, he's aging. Maybe he's not at that level anymore. But he's the best kickoff returner I've ever seen. And I never talk about kickoff returners because they're meaningless in the modern NFL. But Jake Elliott, remember, he had that ankle. Um, Aaron Sipos was kicking off. They probably better find somebody who can kick it out of the end zone. John, I wanted to mention this, too. I spoke to Jalen Hurts Friday, and this is my first chance of the one-on-one with him. And I got a couple guys from Oklahoma. They told me, hey, prepare yourself a little bit. He doesn't say much. And I was like, okay, you know, I've listened to a couple of his press conferences. They were right to an extent, but I did figure out something. He seems like a guy that when you ask him about somebody else, especially on his team or, you know, another quarterback, especially from Alabama, he'll open up a little bit more. Have you gotten that sense just from, you know, being there every day? Yeah, he, he's he's a guy uh, that you're right. He doesn't like to talk about himself, and I I think you know that's part of the natural leadership that we always talk about. He's willing uh, to prop up his teammates, and I think that doesn't go unnoticed. He's also much more willing to talk about, um, for instance, I I you know I the one on one with him too, Jeff, and I got into Texas high school football. He loves talking about that. Um, you know, stuff like that, uh, he will really open up. 
but yeah, I mean, he's he's been taught well as far as the NFL goes, and he understands. And it really comes from Nick Saban. It's not anything the Eagles have done in his time at Alabama and what he went through at Alabama. And and Nick really Nick Saban. I gotta because we have Nick uh, Nick here. Um, really got it through to him, and he calls it rat poison, which you've probably heard, Jeff. Um, don't feed into it uh, at all. And he, and he really has took that to heart way back when, and he continues to do it. He does a really good job navigating that kind of stuff, whether it was Carson Wentz this year, whether it was Gardner Minshew um, last year with Carson Gardner Minshew this year. He does a really, really good job um, – deflecting that stuff and 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 changing uh the narrative and changing the conversation uh which you know people can say what does that matter i think it matters a lot for a quarterback to be able to have that kind of skill uh and to be able to handle those types of situations especially in philadelphia because it's obviously howie roseman doesn't consider those situations by the way uh, i got a couple of texts while you're just talking to jeff there from uh Billy White Shoes Johnson and Devin Hester, who said, best kick returner in the history of the National Football League? Cordell Patterson? What is McMullen smoking? There's a test they should be giving him today, and it's not a COVID test, either a drug test or an alcohol test, but that's just someone else's opinion. Who's the best best kickoff returner? That's like going old school and giving me, uh, you know, Jan Stenerud is better than Justin Tucker. He's not. That's not to say Jan Stenerud was the first kicker of the Hall of Fame, was one of the all-time great kickers. But if you see Justin Tucker kick, you know, whatever it is, different era, obviously, better uh, uh, nutrition. They take care of their bodies better. For Daryl Patterson is the best kickoff returner that ever lived. How many How many return for kicks does he have, Jeff? He is eight. Even... He is eight. It's tied for the most all-time. Eight. Where they don't even have kickoffs, Jody. He's still got eight. There are less kickoffs. There are more touchbacks than ever before. But uh, he could, and he's been doing it for a while. You're right. You're right. He's been around for a while. Um, he's one of the best. I don't know if I would call him the best of all time. But uh, again, we're we're splitting hairs here. I, right, Johnny Mac, new uh, responsibility for Nick Sirianni, and that's head coach play calling. It's one thing to be handed it off every once in a while by your head coach and given a chance to show your wares and the like. And Sirianni has done some of that preseason stuff before he got here. But this is his team, his call, him making all the key decisions on Sunday. He doesn't look like it phases him. We've seen him. You've interviewed him. Everybody's had a chance to talk to him. I, I think at least as far as confidence goes, I think he's ready for it. Why should we have faith that he is going to be good in that very important aspect of his job? I I don't know if you should have faith. I guess, well, you know, I shouldn't say that. Faith is is good at times if it makes you happy. But I think that belongs in the uncertain category, like a lot of things with this team. Um, we got to see it. I, I mean, it's just different. In a, in, a, in a live game, we're going 60 minutes. Uh, he's been very upfront that he didn't uh, a game plan for the preseason, nor should he. Nobody does. But he went extra vanilla. If you can, is there an extra vanilla flavor? If there is, uh, he did it. He didn't. He didn't show anything. 
So you don't know until you see it. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a lot more RPOs. I, I think they're going to, I think the positives are, are he's a, a malleable coach uh, and he's not going to, you know, pound the square peg in the round hole and say, this is my system. I think he's going to build it around what Jalen Hurts does well. And if, you know, Jalen sprains an ankle or something and Joe Flacco has to come in, he's going to change. Uh, and I think that's the most positive part of Nick Sirianni. And I think he and, and Frank Reich and the entire Indianapolis offensive coaching staff got to show that over the past number of years because what happened to them after Andrew Luck's retirement, you know, they went from Luck to Jacoby Brissett to Phillip Rivers. Those are not typical. Those are not quarterbacks that are stylistically similar. And they always put together at least a competent offense. And I think that part is what you should hang your faith on. Um, but we have to see it. I mean, we haven't seen anything. John, I'm going to go back to my interview with Tony Gonzalez. And I just happened to bring up Zach Ertz. I, and, you know, his eyes lit up when I mentioned yeah. him. And he said, look, you know, I'm sure you saw the quote I put on Twitter. You know, he might be one of the most underrated tight ends ever. And he – said on Sunday, the Eagles would be foolish not to use him, and they'd be foolish not to use him this season. He's, he's really high on Ertz having a bounce-back year, and he said, you know, Jalen Hurts should give him the ball as many times as he can. Uh, what problems do you feel Zach Ertz can give this Falcons defense? Yeah, I mean, all, all, you're right. All tight ends light up when they hear Zach Ertz's name. Uh, he's got a lot of respect among his peers, especially as a route runner. Um I, I, yeah, I, Nick Sirianni loves him. And if he doesn't love him, he does a really, really good job of pretending he loves him because I, I mean, I just think, remember when he got this job and I put Jason Michael in the same category, he's the Eagles tight ends coach. They came in thinking they weren't going to have Zach Ertz. They were like everybody else. They didn't think he was going to be here. Uh, they knew what was going on. They were told he was not going to be here. Um, and all of a sudden, well, you know, Jason Michael was the one, and I wrote about this on Philly Voice. He was the one who said, "Well, he's here now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna contact him. I'm gonna call him up. I'm gonna try to build a relationship." And he did. And I think that was the genesis of it all, in the fact that it kept, you know, the Eagles were still going to go in the in the different direction if they got the value they wanted. Um. But all of a sudden, you know, training camp shows up. He's not going to take $50,000 worth of fines, so he's got to show up. And all of a sudden, he's got a relationship with, with Jason Michaels. Got, and, and Nick Sirianni is, always says his first core value is connecting. And he, they talk to each other before every practice. Now, Nick is one of those guys who, who goes around and bops around, talks to a lot of players. But he spends a lot of time with Zach Ertz, a lot of time before every practice they like each other they get along and i think he showed up and nick sirianni said oh i'm gonna have this guy well i'm gonna shift gears and i think he's already shifted gears and i i just put it simply look if you guys were an offensive coach and your options were zach ertz dallas goddard or quez Watkins, one of them's got to come off the field who's coming off the field uh, it's the same thing Doug went through every year. 
it's nothing against Quez Watkins. I mean, he's got potential. Hopefully, he turns into a good player. But it, you, you got to put your best players on the field. That's where I think Nick Sirianni is. Will be very interesting to see how much twelve personnel the Eagles roll out on Sunday. Because uh, if you want to go back to Indianapolis, the Colts use a lot of twelve personnel. Yeah, they use different quarterbacks with different styles and different systems. But they were a team, well, Frank Reich was there to be very willing to go to 12 personnel. So we'll see if uh, the changes come in Nick Sirianni because some of the organizations. Real quick while I jump in here, Jody. Now, understand, I think the the number one team in the NFL ran 12. Jeff might know. I think it was 41, 45%, somewhere in that range. It was under 50%. Look, yeah, they, I, it might have been the Eagles. I think they were 37, and I'm trying the to remember. Second, I think Minnesota was first. I think it was 41, somewhere in that range. Yeah, but, you're right. Yeah, the Vikings were up there. They, they definitely were up there. Um, you you can't play 12, 100, you know, 90% of the time. I mean, just if, if you, in, for instance, if, if you have a play drawn up for Devontae Smith, you, you want to clear out to get him the football. You want some speed on the field. You want Quez Watkins. So you're going you're gonna to have people on the field just to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. But I think in high leverage situations, key situations, you need a big third down. It becomes, as my friend Colin Thompson always says, about the Jimmys and Joes, not the X's and O's. You want your best players on the field. And in those high leverage situations – that's what I'm kind of talking about. Who do you want on the field? If Zach Ertz is healthy and he seems to be, I want Zach Ertz on the field. Right. And if I didn't break it down analytically well enough, let me try again. As you just well, pointed out, the Eagles clear. were number two clear. in the NFL in the number of uh, 12 uh, play possessions that they ran, uh, just ranking them in the NFL. I think they're going to be in the top five again this year. And even if it's only 34% of the time that they're actually doing it, the way that they talked during the offseason, it sounded to me like they wanted to get down in the second half of the team's rank in the NFL, that they wanted to be uh, four and five wide that much more often this year. I'm just saying I don't think it's going to happen because of Zach Ertz still being here. Well, they should. I mean, they arguably have the top tight end room in the NFL, so they should play two tight ends more than anybody if they have Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard healthy. Now, you're you're right, and Nick has said this on the record. He he wants to play more 11 personnel. But that's where I like Nick Sirianni in that he is malleable, as I said before. He's not going to just play it just to play it. He thought he wasn't going to have those two tight ends. He thought he was only going to have one top-tier tight end. And in that instance, you probably shift. To playing more eleven, uh, you know, if if you know, if Dallas Goddard sprains his ankle in the first quarter, and all of a sudden you have to play Jack Stoll, well, no, I I think then Quez Watkins gets a high, and I think it ships, and I think that part is is good. I think that part is where where Nick Sirianni kind of gets it, and he's not that hard headed coach that's going to say this is my game plan. We're not deviating. We'll just put Jack Stoll in for Dallas Goddard and expect him to do Dallas Goddard things. You can't, you can't coach like that. And I don't think he is going to coach like that. John, since I wasn't on last week, I need to know two things. Who was your surprise 
that made the Eagles roster and who did win the 53 man roster projection pool amongst the beat writers? I don't even get it. Bo Wolf won. He wins and every I, year, doesn't he? I Yeah, third straight year. I have a conspiracy theory. For those people who don't know, Bo used to work for the Eagles. So I think he's got somebody in the building looking at how uh-huh. he's. How he's now, I, I'm joking, though. He, he won. He won fair and square. Uh, Bo's a good friend of mine. He won for the third straight year. I'm just jealous. Um, I came in second. It was a three-way tie between uh, Zach Berman, myself, and Ed Kratz. Uh, Bo got 51. We got 49. Uh, who was the biggest surprise to me? I don't, I don't know if there, Jack Stoll was, I guess, the biggest surprise. And I was kicking myself after because I tell Jody all the time, I always take one undrafted free agent because the ego, the GM comes into it. They love to keep one undrafted free agent saying, look at me. I found this guy. They do it all the time. It's not just Howie. And I went against my own rule because I wanted to keep Tyree Jackson, which they did. Um, but they kept four tight ends. Uh, I thought they would manipulate it a little bit more. So I kind of outthunked myself, which is usually what happens in these things. Jay Mack, I'm going to ask you to look in the crystal ball a little bit here. And I hope uh, you see this the optimistic way. I surely want to. I heard Jake Elliott yesterday on WIP. They had a bunch of guys for uh, Eagles Autism uh, for the charity stuff that they're doing. And he's just a flat-out good dude. He's the kind of guy you want to look for. He's a regular guy, and you want him to have another great season. He wasn't all that good last year. He had uh, very little action in preseason because – uh, he tweaked something, and that's why Aaron Sipas was kicking off. Uh, we just assume he's going to be good because he made some practice kicks in front of you guys in training camp. How big a factor is he for the Eagles this year? Um, I, I think Jake is is a good kicker. I think he's, um, you know, probably a little bit middle of the road. Uh, if you're going to rate the 32 kickers, he'd probably be in the top half, but lower, you know, 12, 13, 14 range. Uh, I think, you know, you could do a lot worse. Um, everybody wants Tucker, as I mentioned before. I mean, we all want Justin Tucker. and that, There's only one. Um, and you've seen some of these teams who just struggle so much to find a kicker. Uh, so I think people have to realize it, it would be nice. And I always joke, Jake's great at everything. Ping pong, golf, you know, shooting three-point shooting contest. He's going to win everything. Great softball player. Phenomenal athlete. Just can't make that 33-yard extra point. The weird thing is he's great from distance, and he he, he occasionally um, uh, misses the, the PAT. So, obviously, I, I think it's it's a mental hiccup. Now, it, it, can, all, it, it can also be the uh, the battery, so to speak, uh, Rick Lovato is one of the best long snappers, but they have had, you know, Cam Johnson. Now it's CPOS as the holder. Those holders, man, they are, uh, you know, they are, they can screw things up if they're not, if they're not perfect and, and guys get a mental block. I remember uh, talking to Blair Walsh's father. Um, Jeff will remember Blair Walsh. He oh, yeah. was an all. He was he was an all pro as a rookie. He was unbelievable, and then he just lost it, and it's because of the holder. 
He lost Chris Clue. He was his holder. And he just wasn't the same. And it, it could be something that simple. I'm not saying that's what happened with Jake Elliott, but kickers are, man, they're, they're, they're mental creatures. They're like, if they get something in their head, it could be difficult. But I, I, yeah, I don't concern myself too much about Jake Elliott because he's pretty good. Might not be as good as you, you want, but again, not everybody can have Justin Tucker. Right. John, who was that holder in the playoff game where he missed the 29 yard field goal? Do you remember? Uh, that's a good question. I do not remember. I know it wasn't Chris Cluey. Um, I, I forget who they changed at punter. Uh, but that, that's a kick you should make with the worst holder in the world. So that's the kind of thing like, you know, uh, all right, you're mentally shaking a little bit. So you still got to make that one. No, if it comes down on Sunday to a missed kick, we'll be analyzing the holder Monday here on Bridge 365. All right, McMullen, go get your test. Uh, catch you back here tomorrow. Uh, get ready for some football by Sunday. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. John McMullen, usual co-host with me here on Bridge 365. is got to go get his seats. Half of his life is uh, waiting for the Eagles to start practice and getting uh, tests to be ready to cover the birds as well. I'm lucky enough to have Jeff Kerr by my side. He's filling in for Johnny Mack. He'll stick around for the hour and hey we got left here on Birds 365. Uh, we do have one other guest uh, coming your way, and I was able to uh, get him to agree to hop on last night. Uh, you've, got, you've heard him before here on Birds 365. I hope you've been reading him for decades, Eagle fans. Paul Domowicz, who uh, covered the birds forever for uh, the Daily News, uh, Decided to step away from day in, day out writing this year, heading into the season. Um, he just turned in his uh, retirement papers, took the buyout at the Enquirer. Uh, Damo's going to hop aboard. He did his final con uh, finale column uh, for the paper uh, this week, which I thought was really good. If you haven't read it, uh, you do need to go back and check it out at uh, Enquirer.com, uh, Philly News, uh, Philly.com. Uh, Damo is going to join us next hour. Yeah, we're going to have him on from time to time during the year. Even though he's not down to practice, he sure as hell can generate an opinion on the Eagles. He certainly knows the organization and this team enough. Paul Domowicz is going to join us next hour. We come back. I got a couple of more leading into Sunday's game against the Falcons things to give to uh, Jeff Kerr next year on Birds 365. Hey, Eagles fans, if you're a subscriber to the Jacob Media YouTube channel, you are already registered to win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming season. That's right. You could win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming 2021 season just for being a subscriber. If you're watching and you're not a subscriber, do it now. Subscribe to the Jacob Media YouTube channel right now. What do you need to do? Subscribe right now. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz & Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz & Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. 
IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. It is a game week edition of Birds 365. That's right, Eagle fans. It all gets underway on Sunday when the head, the birds head down to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. Uh, we'll get you right up till kickoff. And then remember, on game day, new show here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, Deagle's post-game show with our boy uh, D-Gun, Mark Barzetta, Johnny Mack will be part of it, and Lane Johnson scheduled to contribute as well. Uh, so after the game, you know, to be right back here, on the Jacob Media YouTube channel after the Eagles open up with a a win or a loss, Jeff Carr. Are, are the birds starting this one off with a big on-the-road W or, oh, that Sirianni guy's got to go? So I got asked this question by, from my sister of all people last night because my father-in-law wanted to know because he's doing the, his pools this week and he goes, should I pick the Eagles? And Because I don't know anything about them. And I said, the Falcons really aren't a good football team. Not saying the Eagles are, but the Falcons aren't. So I said, you know what? It's week one. I would pick the Eagles. I think the Eagles should beat this team. I feel this is a must-win game um, for the Eagles. So this is what I'm looking at. And I feel if the Eagles can run the ball and contain the Lance pass rush, which they should be able to, the Falcons' offensive line isn't good. I mean, they they spent a lot of first-round picks on their offensive line in recent years, but it hasn't been good. I feel the Eagles can hold this team. I, I, if it's a shootout, I think the Falcons win. But I think the Eagles can hold this team to 20 points. I think 23 could get enough for the Eagles. So I'm going to pick Philadelphia, which, by the way, Jody, I think this is funny. Broadcasters and the ones I talk to actually keep track of 
you know, the, the teams they cover and their records. And I've, I'm going to ask Tony Romo about this tonight because I'm pretty sure the Browns have never won a game that Tony Romo's covered. So that's why I'm going with the Chiefs in that game. But Kevin Burkhardt's doing the Eagles game Sunday, and he's like, oh, yeah, we're like 10-6 and six again covering Eagles games. And I'm like, okay, so yeah, I guess that's a good omen if you go by that route. Do you uh, did you say that the team knows it or the announcers know it? The announcers know it apparently. Really? I think fans tell them on Twitter, but I know Burkhardt's pretty active on Twitter. But I'm pretty sure um, Romo has been. It's been mentioned to Romo before. But and again, it's not like Jim Nance and Tony Romo call Browns games all the time. But uh, I'm pretty sure Browns fans are well aware that they never won a game that Tony Romo calls. Let me uh, tie a couple things in here. Uh, and then I want to get back to your point about the Eagles and their possibility of winning this week. Uh, the reason why I know that your statement is accurate is I'm pretty good friends with uh, Ian Eagle that I think most Birds 365 fans will recognize the name, uh, calls NFL games, does the AFC is on CBS. So the Eagles don't get them all together that often, but uh, does basketball and uh, college basketball, the tournament and everything else. So I think people know. Ian Egan, he's a, he's a good friend, and he comes on my radio shows whenever I ask. Uh, and he has told me a couple of times, they kill him when he goes to Cleveland. When he goes to Cleveland, they just crush him. Because let's be honest, and I think the Browns actually have a chance to go to a Super Bowl this year. I think they're that good a team. Um, I think it's the top three, Kansas City, Buffalo, Cleveland, and then a drop-off. I think those three kind of open it up uh, against everybody else in the AFC, then it's a drop-off. So uh, Cleveland fans don't get mad at me because I point out that your team stunk for a whole bunch of years over the last 10 or 12 that Ian's been calling games for uh, CBS. So he says every time he goes to Cleveland, there's people that are waiting for him. He gets an Uber or a taxi or whatever else outside the press gate. Oh, Eagle, go home. You stink. We got no chance. If you're here, you're the worst. And he says he gets crushed every time he goes to the, the stadium in Cleveland. He said he was hoping to get more Cleveland games this year because they actually have a chance to win a bunch and maybe can win some hearts and minds in Cleveland. Uh, you mentioned Tony Romo and you're going to get a chance to talk to him. I, I want to smack Tony Romo upside the head because he did uh, the Jets no justice this week. Uh, and and Eagle fans should like Tony Romo. I know they don't just because, on principle, he's a Cowboy quarterback still. But he did say he thinks the Eagles are one of the more underrated teams in the NFL. But what uh, got my goat with him was he compared the Jets' rookie quarterback. Oh, I was there. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. He hasn't thrown a pick and he hasn't thrown a pass in the National Football League yet. And he's already comparing him to Mahomes and saying, you know, you can get very quickly into that top three to five quarterback in the NFL range. Nothing like setting the bar too high for him, Tony. Thank you very much. Do you really have to go there? That, was, did, that, that, that hurt uh, Romo's credibility in my eyes a little bit because he just sounded like one of those guys who was instructed, ooh, say something that'll get some attention. And that's what he chose to uh, say. And uh, he just absolutely put uh, Zach Wilson in a pressure cooker. So I got I got to set the scene for that, right? It it was really funny. So I'm in on this conference call. I'm representing CBS on on the media conference call, and the AFC East gets brought up, and you know he sees my eyes just light up, and he goes, "Oh, there's a story for you," you know, like like 
that type of thing. As soon as he said, he was just raving about Josh Allen and the Bills, and all of a sudden he goes to the Jets, and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, Tony. I'm like, so I should invest all my fantasy stock in Zach Wilson this year in the 15th round, and we'll we'll go from there. But and it's I, I've never seen there. I've never seen two quarterbacks Tony Romo talk about more right now than Patrick Mahomes is one. He loves Patrick Mahomes and Zach Wilson now. And yeah, that, that was definitely an eye opener, Jody. You're one of the people I thought of I'm like, oh yeah, I'm sure Jets fans are, are just going to love the, the Romo kiss of death there. But yeah, it, it was, um, last week was definitely interesting when he said that. And I, I know a couple guys, they kind of, their eyes lit up on that one. And I'm like, why? Well, uh, I wonder who's going to get the story out first here <laughs> on that. Cause he kind of let slip a, a bit like over the whole Wilson Mahomes. Like, I don't think people notice it at first unless the, you know, the people on, on the zoom call that were just kind of like, uh, okay, <laughs> you know, that, that type of thing. But then, yeah. And then Jim Nance, um, he kind of, <laughs> he didn't go that far when Zach Wilson, but he, he said he was a big fan of Zach Wilson, too. It does look like they're going to do a couple of Jets games this year because of that. Wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Um, and if you're an Eagle fan and uh, you do or don't want to hear from Tony Romo, and again, you're not going to get him calling that many games because he is an AFC guy over on CBS, he did say they were going to be one of the more underrated teams in the NFL. And yes, they, although I, I always laugh when this is the case, Eagle fans will tell you, Oh, those Cowboy announcers, all they do is tell you about how great the Cowboys are. No, that's not true. Uh, I think Troy Aikman has been calling it down the middle since he started doing it, what? Sneaking up on 20 years ago now, he's been CBS's guy for over a decade. Moose Johnston, same thing. And Moose Johnson, as a matter of fact, would every once in a while open my ears by uh, actually condemning the Cowboys and saying the Cowboys were playing lousy-type football. It's just an in inbred uh, belief that any cowboy can't say anything but nice things about the Cowboys and uh, lousy things about the Eagles. Tony Romo calling the Eagles one of the more underrated teams in the NFC. I, I don't think should come as a surprise to anybody. Uh, and if you're an Eagle fan, should you like it or should it just annoy you that much more? Yeah, it, it was funny, Joey. I was actually the one who asked him that question on the conference call and I was only allowed to get two of them. So I'm like, well, I'm going to make this local here. And, you know, it was more about, um, you know, just how, you know, how I felt they were going to be like, not overall, but you know, just kind of what are his expectations and he's going, you know, 10, 11 wins. He thinks Nick Sirianni is a great football coach. That was one. And he said, look, we don't know if the guy can coach, but he goes, I'll tell you what, you know, he's a brilliant football mind. He's a teacher. You know, he really went off on that team. And he said, look, this is Jalen hurts his opportunity to really show the Eagles something. He thinks he's going to, and he gave a lot of praise toward Jeffrey Laurie and the stability of the organization. He goes, when when they stink, they don't stink long. And he said that's one thing that he's always respected about the Eagles from afar. And you're right about the Cowboys thing. Like, he'll praise Dak Prescott. He loves Dak. But that team, I don't think he's sold on them uh, completely. You know, he said, if I had to pick a, a division winner, he said it probably isn't Dallas at at this point, because he was worried about their defense. He's worried about their offensive line. But he said, you know, Dak can win that division by himself. But he said he don't know about the mobility and everything like that. So, yeah, you were definitely right with the Cowboys thing. I remember I used to joke when I was in college. This is back when, you know, they would go – Fox would take their pregame show on the road and Joe Buck would profoundly declare his Cowboys love. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's ironic how Aikman is the unbiased one and he played for him. 
And Buck definitely puts his cowboy hat on whenever he calls their games. He gets a little more excited. He got he always got pretty excited when T.O. would score a touchdown for the Cowboys. So uh, I agree with you 100% there, Jimmy. I'd, uh, last night I couldn't pay as strict attention to certain things on TV that I wanted to. I was on the air in New York. So I had to stay on top of the Yankee game. I had to stay on top of the Met game. Of course, I watched the Phillies get their tails kicked as well, which means I didn't get a chance to watch uh, hard knocks. Yeah, I've got I've got it on uh, uh, the VCR and the, uh, the VCR. Uh, I'll, I'll download it after this show is over this morning. You got a chance to watch it. I know you and I haven't discussed this. I did with uh, Johnny Mac. What are your thoughts on the entire season? Tonight's the final episode, uh, and we'll see how they wrap things up. But what have you thought about this cowboy appearance on Hard Knocks? You know, from the three episodes I've seen, I, I haven't seen last week's yet. I've been, you know, it, it's one of those I should have got to it before. I wa- I'm going to watch the last two back-to-back. But overall, I just have not been impressed from the three episodes I saw. I thought the most exciting part of Hard Knocks was the first five minutes of the first episode with Dak right. pulling his ankle. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. This is the lead No, we got Dak and Zeke's birthday and – you know, we're, and again, Hard Knocks is supposed to be about, you know, the ins and outs of training camp. I don't know how much Jerry Lemon. I, I think the most interesting thing I've learned from Hard Knocks is, and again, I think Jerry Jones is seen now to begin with, he puts salt on the McGriddle. You don't need that. <laughs> I, I would tend to agree with you there. Um, I'm a huge fan, a huge fan of the show. I said it before it started this year. Always have been, probably always will be. This has been a disappointing year. And it basically comes down to the personality of the players that are featured. And they shoot hundreds, if not thousands, of hours of video and then have to go through it pretty damn quickly and be able to make the call. Because you see, they got 24 uh, at most, uh, 48 hour turnaround, and they got to have this thing up and running. So it isn't an easy task. I know how difficult a television production it is. They just don't – the Cowboys don't have personable players. Dak is pretty boring. Zeke Elliott is kind of goofy. They don't have any guys that are going to uh, stir the pot or move the needle. I think it's actually been a pretty darn boring year of hard knocks. We'll see if they can finish it on a high note. I haven't been able to watch this week's episode. And part of it is if you've got a really good football team. And this, again, you kind of nodded to this that – Uh, How much are they allowed to use? The NFL team does have say on what can and can't be used. They haven't shown me anything, either personality-wise and or on the field. I know the one loss record is irrelevant, but they didn't do anything in any of their preseason games either that would make you go, all right, well, I got to keep my eye on that guy. I got to see this aspect of the Cowboys. I've been tremendously underimpressed by the Cowboys this preseason. Now, there's a player I think they tried to make – something out of nothing and that's Micah Parsons and Micah Parsons is a stud don't get me wrong here but I've been trying to tell people this this guy is he's like Devonta Smith he just puts his pail he he gets his work pail and he works that's literally what the guy does he knows he's a good football player he knows he's going to be a difference maker he's not going to be flash he's not going to be a diva or anything like that and I think in a way Hard Knocks tried to make him like that because of you know some questionable behavior at Penn State but you know it was one of those things where I'm like, look, this guy is when he's on the football field, he's about one thing only, and that's making the tackle and making a play. And, you know, again, 
everybody goes, well, what's so great about a player that wants to play more in the preseason? I'm like, well, see, you're trying to make something out of nothing. There. It's no, like he wanted to, he doesn't understand because he's a rookie why I'm not on the football field because I am literally the most important part of that defense. Yeah, he's, as you said, there were uh, some whispers and rumors about him, and that might be why he dropped a little bit in the draft. It wasn't like he dropped down to the second round. He dropped down uh, out of the top ten, and some people thought he was going to go higher than that. He just seems too boring to me to be that kind of a trouble guy. No, the whole team's boring. It's like the Eagles. Like We all like Jalen Hurts and Devonta Smith, and they're football players, but – I, and this is what I kind of like about them. They are boring. They're not flamboyant. It's, you know, it, it, their highlight plays are going to be on the football field, not not actual quotes. It's There there aren't too many, like, quotable guys right now in the NCAA. Maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick will eventually be because he's in the division. But overall, and the, I'll tell you where Hard Knocks should have went, Jody. The Giants. That's the camp they should have went to. Yeah, Joe Judge did stir the pot this preseason, uh, getting guys to quit on him, retire before Horrible. the season ever started. That was uh, that 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 could have played out pretty damn interesting. Uh, you're right about that. But their boring thing is, and again, I was on in the air in New York last night. I talked to my buddy Paul Schwartz, who covered the Giants. They don't know if Saquon Barkley's going to play this week. We're now uh, four days away. He hasn't been roughed up in practice. Joe Judge was on record as saying. I'm not going to play him if he hasn't taken a hit all preseason. Well, he hasn't. He didn't play in any, any of the preseason games, any of the uh, joint practices. So if he's going to get hit, he's going to get hit by his own teammates, which I'm going to predict here they don't hit him real hard. So he's going into the first game of the season without having taken a hit in basically a year. I got no idea what Saquon's going to do this year. Do you? You know, I drafted him in fantasy, but I got him late So in the first round. So I'm kind of – Hoping he does something as a Penn Stater. But overall, I, I really don't know what to expect out of this guy. Like, he wasn't playing well before he had um, the, the knee injury last year. And, again, I don't know how it's going to affect his mobility. I think he's going to be an excellent pass catcher out of the backfield for them. But I think their offense revives around Saquon Barkley and what he can do as a runner, as a pass catcher. It He just opens up so much for Kenny Galladay, for Sterling Shepard, for Evan Ingram, for Darius Slayton. Uh, that offensive line, that offensive line all of a sudden looks better because Saquon Barkley's catching the ball out of the backfield and making plays. But, yeah, if he's not 100%, the Giants, have, they really have to be concerned. I think they were really banking on him to be ready week one. And I think if he plays, he's going to be limited. Let's stay with uh, Penn State running backs. If we had kept Johnny a little bit longer, that would have been the next question. I asked him about Miles Sanders. We're a couple now uh, weeks removed from key practices that the Eagles had against the other teams. Would they actually put more of an emphasis on than the preseason games? That's easy to do when you get beaten 35 to nothing by the Patriots and go, yeah, 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 well, we, we, we're not worried about it. We, we won those two practices during the week. That's why they were as important, if not more important, than the actual game. Um, Miles Sanders hasn't had a knockdown, a breakout-type camp here. Uh, the guys who were there every single day continue to note that he seemed to drop a ball or two coming out of the backfield a day, that despite the fact that he's putting a ton of work in, on the sides with Jug's machine. It's not coming from lack of effort, but he just has the dropsies, kind of like the yips in golf. Um, they only kept three running backs on this roster, which means the rotation that they're going to use is not going to be all that deep. 
I think Byron Scott is is good at what he does, but you're not talking about 50, 50 split here if you're looking at Byron Scott and Miles Sanders. It's going to be more like two-thirds, one-third at best, and Gainwell's going to get in and try and get the ball out of the backfield. And when they have the two backs in the game uh, on any given plays, I think that'll be some of the more exciting stuff that the Eagles run this year. Mr. Penn State, how much confidence do you have in your guy, Miles Sanders, having a big year for the Birds? As a runner, I think he's going to be a home run hitter again. I mean, the guy had like, what, two, three, 70 plus yard runs last year. I think he's really going to provide the home run threat for them. But I was extremely disappointed in him catching the football last year and him basically not being a receiving threat out of the backfield. Boston Scott was a better receiver than Miles Sanders last year, which is kind of insane after his rookie year. I thought Sanders would elevate on that. Not getting to like Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey levels, but I figured, okay, this is going to be a guy you're going to rely on to catch the ball 50, 60 times a year and get about 500, 600 yards every single year. And we just didn't see that last year. And that's a part of Miles Sanders' game I really want to see. I, I know the guy can rush for a thousand yards if you give him that ability. And yeah, everybody goes, well, what about the negative plays? I'm like, well, look, this is why they call the yards per carry average amongst running backs. He was top three last year. That's why they call it an average. So I'm not even worried about the yards per carry or, you know, the big plays or any of that. If he gets the ball, he's going to make plays, especially behind this offensive line. I mean, he did last year with, with the worst offensive line in, in, in football. So What's he going to do this year now that all the guys are back? I think he'll be fine there. But it's, you're, you're right. The, the, the pass catching is – Jalen Hurts needs this out of Miles Sanders or else he's not going to be playing in certain packages. You know, if they want to run 21 speed, they may go game well on Scott because they're they're just better, at, you know, outside the hash marks catching a football. And Miles Sanders just has to get better at that in his game. And for me, the best way – to get him going is to set up screens and, you know, kind of use what the Colts did a little bit. Uh, but there's a play I feel the Eagles can really excel with Sanders in, and that's the wheel route. And if, if he can get his hands on the football and get in the open space, this guy's going to have a lot more big plays this year. So he definitely has to be a good pass catcher out of the backfield. All right, uh, Eagle fans, don't get carried away. I'm not comparing these two players across the board, but in something just uh, Jeff just said, it, it made me think of a specific – NFL back. The fact that, yes, Miles Sanders from time to time has a negative play, that he'll get caught behind the line of scrimmage, and uh, and then before you know, boom, he breaks off one off and goes 70 yards, so that gets his average yard per carry up as high as it does. You know that immediately, anytime anyone describes a back like that, you know what immediately makes me think of? Is it Barry Sanders? Barry Sanders. Every... <laughs> Barry Sanders would dance behind the line of scrimmage and they get and two yard loss and one yard gain. Oops, there he goes for 45. That was Barry Sanders. So, yes, you trade off the occasional, what the hell was he doing? Why didn't he hit the hole? Why didn't he get up in there? What the hell is he doing dancing? Well, you're right. Sometimes dancing, you get caught, but sometimes dancing gets you on the outside and gives you the chance to make the big play. So, uh, I don't quite understand why people get as bent out of shape about that as they I can. used to get upset when I was a kid watching Lions games. They always took Barry Sanders. It was a, definitely a Wayne Font special. He always would take Barry Sanders out inside the 20. I'm like, this is the stupidest thing you could possibly do. He's the best running back in football, and you take him off the field because he dances too much and you're afraid he's not going to score touchdowns. He still would find ways to score touchdowns. I think there was a game against the Eagles where he kind of danced around like William Fuller and guys like that and was able to find a way to get into the end zone. It looked like he was going to be tackled for a five-yard loss, and he does, does a juke or two. It's 
clearly field vision scores. So, again, I, I don't know what the Lions were thinking all those years with him. No wonder why he quit as early as he did. All right. He is Jeff Kerr. I'm Jody McDonald. We're your Bridge 365, guys. Don't forget, coming up next hour, about 20 minutes or so from now, uh, we're going to get our buddy Paul Domowicz, formerly of the Daily News, NFL Hall of Fame voter, has only been covering the birds for three decades. Uh, we'll get Domo up here in hour number two. Keep it right here. It's coming up next here on Birds 365. Hey, Eagles fans, if you're a subscriber to the Jacob Media YouTube channel, you are already registered to win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming season. That's right. You could win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming 2021 season just for being a subscriber. If you're watching and you're not a subscriber, do it now. Subscribe to the Jacob Media YouTube channel right now. What do you need to do? Subscribe right now. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., at Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, pure bull dry rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. 
Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. It is Birds 365. You got Jody Mack and Jeff Curran for John McMullen. In case you missed John McMullen, well, you got to go back. You can always rewatch it, right? Uh, that's the beauty of YouTube. If you don't get on exactly when we're doing it live, oh, it's there forever. You can always go back and watch it. And Johnny Mack was almost at the top of the show. He's got COVID testing responsibilities today. So uh, that's why he was with us right off the bat. But Jeff has been hanging with me and will hang with me here. For our number two, uh, Paul Domowicz is going to join us in uh, less than 20 minutes now. So stick around uh, for Domo, who did an outstanding final column uh, this week. I, I do want to ask Domo about it because I think it's got to be one of the hardest columns you ever write. But it's also one of the easiest columns you ever write because you've been prepping for it your entire life. You know it's coming at some point. You're, so you're going to – well, we'll get into that with Domo when he gets here. But back to the birds. Uh, Jeff. They open up in Atlanta this week. You mentioned earlier that you don't think the Falcons are going to be all that good a team this year. Nor do I. I made my official predictions on all the teams in the National Football League this week. And I have the Falcons with one of the worst records. That's one of the reasons why I think the Eagles can have a decent record this year is it's tough to win games on the road in the National Football League. But they've got both the Falcons and the Lions on the road this year. If there are road games you can win, it's against Atlanta and Detroit because I think they're going to be two of the worst teams in the NFC this season. So that plays to the Eagles' advantage. The first ever game of the Nick Sirianni era is going to be on the road. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, the Eagles don't have a good history of opening seasons in the, in Atlanta, do they, Jody? <laughs> because 2015, I thought they were going to roll over a Falcons team with Sam Bradford. And remember we, that they had that exciting preseason with Chip Kelly. And yeah, that didn't uh, go over too well. Um, And in my opinion, they got upset that game and they kind of set the tone for the season. And same with 2005. Remember the whole Jeremiah Trotter got ejected and Don Nav got speared on a cheap shot and Eagles ended up losing that Monday night football game. And I'm like, well, that's not exactly a great sign for a team. That oh, that's play. right. It was a Monday nighter. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. I kept saying to myself, that's not a great sign for a team that won four straight NFC East titles, made four straight conference championship appearances, and all this offseason drama. I, I thought they needed that game. And 
lo and behold, they go six and ten. So I hate when the Eagles open in Atlanta. It seems like they always open here in Atlanta or they play the Falcons. It, it, I feel like it's a once in every three year tradition at this point. Uh, schedule makers are getting lazy, but yeah, this is a game they have to win and. You know, I was doing some prep for the Falcons this week, and I was kind of laughing at myself. I'm like, who's on this defense that I know? And a lot of those guys left. Um, you know, the Keanu Neals of the world. He's on the Cowboys because Dan Quinn's not there anymore. Um, you know, Vic Beasley has been going for a while now. And, you know, I, I, Gray Jarrett's still there. But overall, this defense should not be good. And I know we like to um, not talk great about the Eagles wide receivers, but – he should have a – Devonta Smith and Quez Watkins at Jalen Rager, they probably should have a good day against this secondary. And, again, the offensive line just beats up the Falcons' defense. There are two guys – I'm sorry. There are four guys I worry about on this team. And, unfortunately, it might be the Eagles' biggest weakness, at least on defense. And this is crazy because their linebackers are actually pretty good. So, Matt Ryan, Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley – Russell Gage. Those are the four guys I worry about on this Falcons team. And they can beat you. Understood. And uh, you made the uh, Grady Jarrett point. He has been one of their defensive stalwarts for the last several years. And uh, I would, uh, the NFL had its uh, top 100 player ranking that on the NFL network, they did, the Eagles did okay. They actually landed three guys, Fletcher Cox, Jason Kelsey, and Brandon Graham. They took an O for ESPN, their top 100. So, uh, make of that what you will, but uh, Grady Jarrett was on both uh, outlets top 100 because he is one of the better DTs and uh, can get uh, pressure onto the quarterback from the interior line. And there's a reason he doesn't scare me because, and this may be some wishful thinking, but sorry, that's what I'm going to do leading into the kickoff for the Eagles season. The interior of the Eagles line is a strength. That's not where I think the Eagles are going to get beat up this year. You've got uh, perennial pro bowler uh, snapping the football, and you got two damn good guards. We'll see what Brandon Brooks comes back at uh, from everything that's being reported. He looks as athletic and sturdy and ready to go uh, as before his most uh, recent injury. And Isaac Samalo's uh, damn good uh, right ta- left tackle, uh, left guard, if they're going to move him around on that defensive line. I do not think that's going to be a problem with the Eagles this year. Handling other teams' good DTs, I think they're going to be able to do that because the guys they got on the offensive line. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's the thing. I think that's going to be the huge difference in this game. Even if Jalen Hurts does get pressured, I think he's going to be able to run away from it because I don't know if anybody on the Falcons can actually stop him. Look, this could be like one of those games where – and we saw this a lot last year, Jody, when Jalen Hurts just – Kind of went off, you know. I know I'm going a little bit fancy wise here, but overall, he threw for, you know, 300 yards and rushed for 60 yards in two of his four starts and, you know, two of his three full starts. You know, it's it's insane that to, to, to think he's he could have a big stack game on Sunday. And because I, I just don't know if there's anybody on this Falcons team that could stop. Now, again, they could surprise me completely. And again, I do think Arthur Smith is a really good football coach. I think he's a great offensive mind, but I. I kind of leveled off on this Falcons team a bit. I thought they could have been a surprise. And then they trade Julio Jones. And I'm like, what are you doing? Why do you draft Kyle Pitts if you're going to get rid of Julio Jones? And they said they knew about, okay, fine. Why do you still draft Kyle Pitts? Why don't you just reset the franchise? I know Matt Ryan's a franchise quarterback. 
but you could have got something for him. It's not like he's a bad football player by any stretch of the imagination. My opinion, he's still a top 10 quarterback. He's just is the quarterback for the Falcons. So they just made a lot of questionable decisions since that Super Bowl loss, Jody. And I, I don't know. It's again, this is why I'm so high on Tampa Bay this year is because who's going to beat them in that division? No, I, uh, again, I made my prediction over the weekend. I got them written down here somewhere. I, I had Tampa winning the division by like a minimum of four games. If they're going to win 12, I don't think there's another team that's going to be above 500 in this division. I think everybody's going to be below. I think New Orleans is below 500. I think Atlanta's bad. I think that I think Carolina's got a chance to be as good. I don't know about that much better with Sam Donald over Teddy Bridgewater. I do like Matt Rule, and I think he's a real good fan. I'll say this about the Panthers, and uh, I know we're uh, getting a little far afield. We'll come back to the birds here in a second. They lost so many games that hung in the balance last year. The Panthers were within one score in the fourth quarter, I think, of 14 out of their 16 games. I think there was only two games where they were behind by eight points, nine points or more in the fourth quarter and never got any closer than that. They just didn't know how to finish. If you're a, sorry, if if you're a Carolina fan or a Matt Rule fan, you just believe, well, they're going to be better at it this year. I hope that's the case because I like Matt Rule as much as I do. I don't know that that's the case. That's why I got Carolina back under 500 again. I think you're dead on right. I think it's a weak division the Falcons are in. Yeah, and in a way, if you're a Panthers fan, and I know we're going a little bit off topic here, but it kind of feels like the 2016 Eagles. Remember, they lost a bunch of one-score games. I think they were like 1-7, one 1-8, one one-score game. And then all of a sudden, the next year, boom, you know, they go 13-3 and and they win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying Carolina's going to do that because – the Saints in 2009 and the Eagles in 2017 are the only two teams since realignment to finish last in the division the year prior and then win the Super Bowl. But, I mean, if Sam Darnold is what they think he can be with that offense, and Terrence Marshall I think is going to be a stub, by the way. Um, Carolina could surprise some people, but they're not beating Tampa in that division. It's it, That's the thing. When everybody was like kind of writing off – Tampa Bay after they lost to Kansas City and went to the bye week. Like, hold on a second. Hold on a second. You got Atlanta twice. You got Detroit. You got Carolina. They're going to be completely fine. They're going to make the playoffs. They're not going to miss it. And it might be a springboard to something. And lo and behold, they won the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of that NFC South. I, I'm honestly not a big fan of any NFC division outside of the NFC West this year. Yeah, I think the NFC West does kind of lap over all three of the other divisions. Um you made the point about the 2016 and the 2017 Eagles. I, 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 I talked to enough Eagle fans when I do my radio shows to know that I had no idea there were so many fans that before that year started knew the Eagles were going to win the Super Bowl. Because I don't quite remember it that way. It did kind of come out of left field. And more power to the Eagles for being able to pull that off Doug Peterson at all. Uh, but they weren't. No, nobody was talking about a Super Bowl before 2017 started. That's just the way it played out, which was probably pretty damn exciting if you're an Eagles fan, if you've been an Eagle fan for two years, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, 60 years. The way that it played out, I would think would be more exciting. Yeah, Did the Eagle um, fans go down that road again? Because they're coming from last to first again if they're going to make a run. It was as cool and as uplifting, as out of left field as it was. That's one of the beauties of the National Football League is that you can just turn the page when the season's over 
and sprinkle optimism all over everything the next year. If Eagle fans are talking Super Bowl this year, should we try and reel them in or just say, hey, yeah, you're right. You know, nobody picked 2017 a couple of years ago. So maybe not Super Bowl, but I'm going to get Eagles fans really excited here because I like to do that stuff with teams. And because this is week one, did you know every time since realignment, the the Eagles finished last in the NFC East, the next year they finished first? Every single time. So – it would not shock me if they won the NFC East this year because this division is not good. Uh, Washington is my pick to win the East, and I know I'm going out of limb here picking a repeat NFC East champion, but I really like their defense. But if I'm worried about Washington, I don't know Ryan Fitzpatrick to play 17 games in a season. I don't know if he can make the playoffs. He's never made the playoffs before in his life, so why make it in year 17, right? Dallas is Dallas. You know, they, they always seem to find a way to – bite themselves in the foot. The Giants, I think, are actually going to be the last place team in the NFC East. I'm not a fan of that football team at all because of Daniel Jones and their offensive line. Even though their defense is really, really good. And, and again, the Eagles are an unknown. And they have a new head coach. They have a quarterback who I think is a winner. And I think, ultimately, he can get them eight, nine wins if he plays well. It all depends on how the offensive line goes. And how the defensive line goes, and you know how much pressure the defensive line can get on the quarterback, Jody. So this is what I'm looking at right now. Sounded I'm, like uh, I'm sorry if I interrupted you, Jeff. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, no, I was just about to finish up. Like I just would not be surprised if Philadelphia would win the division this year, just based on history. 2016, you know, 2012. Um, what was the other year? 2007. Uh, I, no, it wasn't uh, 2005. 2005. So yeah, every time he was finished last in, in the division or. They, they make the playoffs the next year and win the division. It, it's actually crazy. So it's been the last three times the Eagles have finished last. The previous year, they've turned around and won the division the year after. Yeah. It, it's a pretty good stat. It's not uh, trending from one year to the next. It's over a lengthy period of time. But three for three is three for three. Anytime you're three for three at anything, that's usually a uh, pretty darn good sign. All right. He is Jeff Carr. I'm Jody McDonald. We are the Birds uh, 365 guys today. Coming up next, we're hoping to be joined by Paul Domwich, who's only been covering this team for three decades. He is the Hall of Fame voter and plans on staying that this year. Got a bunch of things we want to talk to Domo about, the fact that he wrote his last column for the uh, Daily News uh, this past week, and what he's going to be doing on Sundays this year, So, he, because he doesn't have to be down at the ballpark each and every single week. I think he's got some grandpa duties, which he's uh, looking forward to, but We'll talk Eagles football with Paul Domowitz next here on Birds 365. Hey, Eagles fans, if you're a subscriber to the Jacob Media YouTube channel, you are already registered to win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming season. That's right. You could win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming 2021 season just for being a subscriber. If you're watching and you're not a subscriber, do it now. Subscribe to the Jacob Media YouTube channel right now. What do you need to do? Subscribe right now. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. 
Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We got Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Thanks for tuning in. Jeff Carson in for Johnny Mack, who's got uh, Eagle testing duty. No, he's not going to be out running 40s. He's got to make sure he's got no COVID action going. Um, uh, so Jeff Carr sits in for him with me, Jody Mack. And we're lucky to have sitting in with us for another segment. He's been on with us a couple times before. And even though he's kind of stepping back, not stepping away, just stepping back. Oh, doesn't mean we aren't going to suck him in whenever we need good insights. Paul Domowitz uh, joins us here on Birds 365. How you doing, Grandpa? Good. How are you guys doing? Can't complain, Paul. Uh, happy retirement, by the way. Thank you. Thank you very much. With your retirement, uh, how are you going to get used to just not having to get up, get into that routine every single week? You know what time you got to get You know what time you got to get to the park. You know you got to beat the traffic. It becomes rote. I know I used to do it, not uh, for the Eagles, but uh, you get into a rhythm of going to work and getting things done on time every single day. What the hell are you going to do with your Sundays now? <laughs> it's going to be odd. Uh, you know, I, I'm really looking anxious to see how I react on Sunday to getting up. And, you know, first of all, I won't be in Atlanta, so I won't be getting up in a hotel room. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, watching a game and, and, and not, you know, not having to file after it's over, it's going to be weird. Uh, but I'll probably figure out a way to survive. Well, when was the last time you could say you watched, you know, 
any NFL game as a fan? Was it like recently or, you know, how, how's it going to be different for you? Uh, well, I'll be watching with my wife, uh, which hasn't happened uh, except for the one game when in, uh, I forget what year it was when I had the hip emergency hip replacement surgery and missed the, uh, uh, a game against the giants in December one year, right before Christmas. Uh, aside from that, uh, you know, I mean, it's different. I, I guess maybe last year kind of, uh, helped me assimilate into this because of the fact that, you know, I was, I covered all of last season, uh, pretty much all of last season from my, from my couch uh, or my office. So, um, you know, that kind of has helped, uh, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. That, yeah, you're right. You got a little primer of uh, retirement by being able to do as much as you had to do last year remotely. Um, you've been watching the birds with a critical eye for decades and you watch every single game and you're not only figuring out what the next column's going to be like, but how this is going to play out the season. Do you think you can just remove yourself and sit back and enjoy it and not have that same critical thinking that you've been putting forth for decades? You know, it's going to be tough. Uh, there is uh, social media, so, you know, I, I don't want to uh, be a nuisance on there and, and, and force my opinion down people's throats. So, uh, But I'm sure I'll tweet a few times during the game. Probably not as much as Les will. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's going to be the toughest part of this, just kind of being an observer and not being able to write about it when it's over, uh, you know, for, for – for, all the extra hours that means in our business, uh, you know, I'm going to miss it and it's going to be tough. Well, are you still going to do like, obviously the hall of fame voting stuff, I figure you're going to be a part of, but like if they meet like down in LA for the Super Bowl or something, would you, would you go to the Super Bowl, that type of thing? Uh, probably for the hall of fame vote. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just need to, you know, do enough writing. Uh, if you completely retire, you know, they're going to replace you. Uh, my plan is to still do a certain amount of writing. Plus I'm working on a couple books, so that shouldn't be a problem. Uh, you know, but I'll be out in LA next. Uh, I would miss it because of the fact that, you know, Vermeil, uh, he's kind of a lock to, to, since he's already been nominated by the, the coaching committee. Uh, but still he would need the 80% of the, the full selection committee vote to uh, officially be a part of the class of 2022. So I'd like to be there for that. But if you go out to LA, um, there's a good chance you might still do the meeting on your computer in your hotel room in LA. Cause uh buddy of yours, one of your compatriots on the voting class, Gary Myers said that he got the feeling that it went so smoothly last year when you did it virtually that they may do that again this year, even though it's probably not going to be, as necessary that he thought that the the guy didn't mind doing it and there weren't many complaints about it that they might do it that way anyway just because it went as well as it did last year what did you hear well it's very possible especially since right now we have no idea what's going to happen with covid going forward here i mean the the prognosis is from a lot of doctors doesn't seem to be very good with the stubbornness of people that don't want to get vaccinated and the variants so I wouldn't surprise me. It did work out very well. Um, I think we had it a couple of, I want to say maybe three weeks prior to, you know, ordinarily the vote is the Saturday right before the Super Bowl at the Super Bowl site. The Zoom call that we had uh, last year, I believe was either in late December 
early January, but it did work out well, uh, and they may end up deciding to go that way again. Paul, I, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Sam Cunningham. I know he tragically passed away yesterday. Uh, what was his relationship like with Randall? Because I never really got to hear it, you know, if they were close or anything like that. Well, there was a big age uh, difference yeah. between the two of them, but they it, they seemed to be as close as you could be for people, you know, brothers that were were not close in age. Uh, you know, he seemed to use his I think it was a negative from the standpoint of he wasn't around much to help Randall when he was growing up, when he was developing. Uh, I think uh, Randall probably could have used uh, an older brother, given him more advice at that point, especially when he got to the NFL, and that wasn't really the case. But they, I mean, they were, you know, as 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 brothers who I, I'm not sure what the age difference was. It's got to be at least ten years, I think. Fourteen, actually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know they were they were as close as you could be under those circumstances, which typically is not very close because you're almost living two different lives. And Damo, you and I are both old enough to remember. Never did a guy's nickname fit him as well as Sam Bam Cunningham. The guy was just amazing down on the goal line. Either one of two ways. He could stone cold run over somebody, meet him at the point of attack, and go, "No, you're going backwards into the end zone." And he also had the ability to get up and off the ground. And I remember him, a, a phrase that nobody used when Sam was playing, high-pointing it. He could high-point with anybody. We talk about high-pointing with receivers. Oh, he could high-point from the backfield and get up and over uh, defensive lines. I remember him taking lunges into the end zone. He was the first guy that I remembered being a goal-line-back specialist. Yeah. Uh, clearly it must have been a, a genetic thing too because you look at Randall's daughter uh I jumper right yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah and and Randall could jump through, you know through the sky as well so uh vertical jump uh, ability was it was a obviously a talent in that family so when Randall was coming you know coming into his own at UNLV and obviously you know picked by the Eagles like, was he first mentioned as, like, oh, that's Sam Bam's brother, or was that Sam Cunningham's brother, or was he his own entity at that point? He was kind of his own entity. He was a second-round pick. I mean, you know, everybody – I mean, if you wrote a story, you mentioned that he was Sam's brother, younger brother, but uh, because of that age difference, it was different, and so there weren't a lot of uh, references to it. You know, Randall was and, – and Randall was much different than Sam. I mean, Randall was so much different than anywhere, and as far as his personality, he was kind of out there at times. So, uh, you know, they—it wasn't like he was Sam's brother. It was—it uh, it, was—he was Randall. Let me be me, as he used to love to say. That was Randall. All right. Speaking of let me be me, I do want to get uh, one or two more questions in, but then we do want to hit you with an ego question or two before we let you run out of here. I'll never write my last column. At some point, I'm going to do my last radio show. And I hope I know when I'm doing my last radio show that I can dictate it uh, more so than my employer dictating it. But I've, I've certainly contemplated it. In ways, I got to believe it's the toughest column you're ever going to write. And in other ways, I think it's got to be the easiest column you're ever going to write because you know that it's coming and you've got gathered some thoughts for it before. And you basically get to put your emotions out there on paper. Damo, reading your last one, I, I thought it was just phenomenal, and uh, it captured all the uh, years that I've been reading you just as a fan of yours. 
Was it the easiest or was it the hardest column you've ever written? Probably closer to harder, hardest. Uh, I mean, I knew what I wanted to say. I kind of knew how I was going to go into it uh, very early on. Uh, then I, you know, you, you kind of, you're torn between, I really had trouble figuring out what I, you know, the things I wanted to mention, uh, the people I, it, it wasn't so much the people I wanted to mention as I was afraid of forgetting people, uh, right. which, which I did anyway. Uh, so it, all that, but it, it took, I mean, I, I spent, you know, f five days on that maybe uh, off and on, which is a long time for a, you know, for that kind of story. Uh, but when you know it's your last story, you kind of want to get it right. Uh, you know, it was kind of nice that you know a lot of people seem to think I did. So, uh, you know, I was happy with it when it was over. You kind of led to my next question, Paul. I was going to ask you that had that had to take a week, but when you first, you know, when when it hit that you were going to retire on September first, right. and everything just bottled in. Like, what was the first thing you thought of? Was it your dad when you wrote that? Yeah, yeah, it was because you know. Um, not only the fact that, you know, the advice he gave me, but, you know, I'm retiring at 67. He retired at 65 and died at 67. You know, I mean, I don't expect to die, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things you're thinking about, you know, uh, especially when you, you look back on, uh, you know, I, I've always thought of people like Bear Bryant and a lot of coaches that retire and drop dead, <laughs> which is why I decided, you know, when I retire, I wasn't, I'm going to make sure I stay busy. Uh, I'm not going to go and sit in the chair. And even though I joked in the story about watching a lot of British detective series, I plan on just still doing a lot of writing. So uh, hopefully I'll be, uh, you know, be able to write for quite a long time. But uh, yeah, my dad was the first thing I, I thought of when I realized I was going to retire. One last retirement question. And I do want to get your Eagles thoughts. That's why we brought you on more than anything. We know you still know the team. You mentioned your buddy Les, who uh, also took the buyout. Uh, he's uh, still doing a little work. We caught him uh, in a, an Eagle press conference just recently, uh, doing some AP work. Um, when the, the both you guys decided to uh, take the buyout that was offered to you, did they offer it to you at the same time? Did you talk to Les about thinking along those lines? Did he talk to you about it? How did the conversation go between you guys? Or did it just yeah, I took it. Yeah, I took it. And boom, it was over and done with. Yeah. You know, I I think he was thinking about it before I was uh, because we got to the day before the deadline for taking it. And I still had no intention of taking it. Uh, I'm 67. Wanted to, my, my plan always has been to work till I was 70. Um, and I... I'm out cutting the grass the day before the deadline, and I get a call from a, our human resource uh, person who asks me if if I'm thinking, you know, do am I aware that tomorrow is the deadline, and am I thinking about it? And I told her no, and she basically suggested that maybe I should think about it, which kind of, you know, the planted the whole seed of uh, you know how much they really wanted me and uh, whether it's, it, it kind of triggered a whole a whole uh, bunch of stuff that made me realize the time was right to, uh, to just retire and do, you know, move on and do some other stuff right now. You know, I, I think less in talking to less, and we talked a lot, we still do. You know, less had a, I know his biggest concern about retiring was that you lose your identity. Uh, you, you know, we've done this for so long. We've been identified with 
you know, being the Eagles beat writers and that's how people see you and that's how you see yourself. And suddenly you're not that anymore and you worry, you know, can you deal with that? And I think that that I didn't really that didn't wasn't something I thought a whole lot about. I think it bothered him more than me. Um, but I think he came to grips with it. You see, you know, and he's you know, and he, you see, as you mentioned with the AP thing, he's going to keep doing uh, a, a lot of stuff. So, uh, you know, I think he's happy with his decision and I'm certainly happy with mine. Well, did you or Les ever think, and I forgot they asked Les this the last time he was on, but did you guys ever think of maybe, you know, writing the same style? Because I feel like as someone who works for CBS and does a lot of the digital media stuff, they like more stuff than you write than just some, you know, fluff piece saying how great the team is or anything like that. They they like, you know, the, the, the journalism you guys provide. Have you guys ever thought of, you know, maybe, okay, if we ever took the buyout, if we don't want to retire – maybe we go that rather right for like a Philly voice or something like that. Well, I mean, when you see who's taken the buyouts from our paper over the last several months, I mean, you can put together a pretty good staff. Yeah, <laughs> uh, All-star staff. You know, I mean, so, so sure. It's, it's, it's something you think about. Uh, you know, I mean, I've had people suggest, uh, you know, doing, doing an Eagles newsletter, or some other things, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I, I want to move on. And but I don't want to pass opportunities up if they're there. So I, I'm going to basically play it by ear as we move along here. Uh, but I do, you know, I really it's really important media. I'm, I'm I want you guys. I think no, I'm doing a book on Sam Mills. I really want to get started on that. It's kind of been you know something that I've wanted to do for a long time. Uh, I think it's a great topic, and I so I don't want to waste a whole lot of time where I'm just nibbling at it. I really want to commit to it. So. You know, we'll see how it goes here. All right, Domo, we got about 15 minutes you left here, and we want to do what we do at Paul Domo, which is to get eagle opinion and information. You've gone through a lot of coaching changes here in Philadelphia, different ups and downs and personality quirks and accomplishments and failures and the like. Before it gets going, what is Nick Sirianni? To be determined, I guess, Jody. Uh, you know, I like the guy. Uh, I like his attitude. I like his approach. The players seem to react well to what initially, I, you know, what seemed to be kind of some amusing approaches. The whole competition thing, I, I wondered how that would fly. Uh, you know, so far so good, but we haven't gotten to the point where they're, you know, you're three and six and, you you, you know, a lot of things that work now don't work when you're struggling. Uh you know, that's one of the things with Doug Peterson was that I was, you know, that, that I was impressed with was in a couple of the years that he was here and not not the year that he won the Super Bowl, but the first year. And I think in 18 or 19 or 20, I mean, they were at one point they were like five and seven. And, you know, he brought them back. I mean, he got them at, at the end when you got to get a team to win. He got them to win and, and, and play well. And I thought that spoke well for him. Uh, you know, right now we don't know anything about what Nick's going to run offensively. I mean, he's he's playing it close to the vest. I think he's a pretty smart offensive guy who's got, you know, has has learned a lot from the people uh, that he's worked for. Plus, you know, uh, coming up from a coaching family, he uses running backs a lot. So, you know, if he has the talent, if Jalen Hurts is is truly, if, if he can be a functional. Uh, 
I'm not saying a franchise quarterback, but if he can be your quarterback going forward, uh, I think Sirianni has a chance to succeed here. Paul, doesn't Hurts kind of give you like that McNabb vibe in the sense like he doesn't his completion percentage isn't high, but he always just seems to make the right play at the right time. He just seems to be that guy where the box score isn't going to look pretty, but they're going to win games. They're going to get the job done. Do you see a lot of, you know, and I know Eagles fans hate, hate Donovan McNabb for some reason, but you know, do you kind of see the, the McNabb vibe in Jalen Hurts? A little bit. Uh, the two differences though, Jeff, that I see with him is, is one Jalen's and it's his strength. Jalen's natural leader. Uh, yeah. you, you can see that the players just react to him right from the start going back to last year. You know, Donovan preached about being a leader, never really was. He was a he was a leader from the standpoint that he played quarterback, and, and you have to be the leader to some degree to be the quarterback. But he wasn't a guy people followed. I mean, you know, we can go back to the T.O. episode where, that split the locker room. I mean, he, even, even when T.O. was behaving the, as badly as he was, still half the locker room was on T.O.'s side as opposed to Donovan's. So, uh, and the other thing is, Donovan did not want to run. Uh, Donovan didn't – he was trying to get past that, even though it was a tremendous upside for him. Uh, we're not going to see that as a reluctance with Jalen. I mean, you know, he clearly has been told to – you know, they, they've tried to work on him going through his progressions better this year, on his accuracy, but he's still going to run when he has the opportunity, and, 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 I, and I would too. I mean, every – Every mobile quarterback in this league has taken advantage of that, from Kyler Murray to Lamar Jackson. I mean, you're making a defense basically play zone all the time because they can't turn their back on you. Uh, I mean, you got it, it's going to be, you know, I don't know that he's going to run 200 times, but he's got the kind of body that can kind of take a beating. Uh, I think he's going to run a lot this year. Damo, uh, you and I both have 30-plus years' experience media members as this town. You uh, would have been sneaking up on 40. I'm just over 30, but we've both been here a long time. And I picked up this phrase when I got to Philadelphia, and I'd never heard it before. I'd never heard it ushered, but it is a Philly phrase through and through. Plays like his hair's on fire. I'd <laughs> never heard that before I got here to Philadelphia, but it is a great Philly phrase. Is Alex Singleton one of those type of players? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, always around the ball. I mean, plays like, uh, I mean, just, just, yeah. I mean, he plays 100% uh, with reckless abandon. Uh, you know, he's a fun guy to watch. Uh, and he's going to be one of, you know, assuming he stays healthy, I mean, he's going to be one of their defensive leaders this year. Uh, Paul? I kind of wanted to get into the injury a little bit. I, I know you covered those teams that made four consecutive conference-style games in Philadelphia, and I just remember being a young fan at the time. It's you know, you just knew the Eagles were going to be good every single year. It's like, okay, do we even worry about this team until they get to the conference-style game? Don't the Chiefs feel like they're in the midst of that right now with Reed, Mahomes? It, it just feels like no matter how good the AFC is, the Chiefs are going to be there at the end. Yeah, I mean, you know. I, when he won the one Super Bowl, with you know, and and knowing that he's going to have Mahomes for a long time, you knew that he would have any thoughts that he might have been thinking about retiring went out the window because uh, you got a quarterback like that, you don't walk away from it. Now the the personal issues he's dealing with, God knows where they play into his future, but 
Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a team that's going to be right there every year in the AFC. I can't imagine that changing. I mean, the Raiders are, are getting better. Chargers are getting better. But that's, you know, that's they're, – they're still they're still the best team in that division, in that conference. Uh, and there's no – you know, I mean, I, I, if you're asking me who's going to be in the Super Bowl again this year, it would be them. Damo, uh, last year uh, the Eagles uh, set new all-time low records for yardage by their wide receivers. They just didn't get the ball to the wide receivers much at all uh, the year before. No wide receiver, 500 yards. Last year, Travis Fulgham just over 500 yards. So two years running, barely a wide receiver with 500 yards. We all believe Devonta Smith's going to do that this year. Fingers crossed he stays healthy. We know he's that kind of talent. If I tell you another Eagle wide receiver is going to get over 500 yards, do you think it's going to be more Jalen Rager or Quez Watkins? I'd probably say Rager. I, I think all three of them have a, a real good chance of, of, of that happening because I think what we're going to see out of Sirianni's offense that maybe we, we didn't see as much with Peterson is they're going to throw screens to these guys uh, like they did with Quez in that, that first game when he had the long touchdown run. I mean, they just – you want to get the ball to these guys in space. You know, don't make them get separation down the field where you've got to worry about protection and everything. Just get it out to them and and let them do their thing. And all of them are elusive. All of them are yards after the catch people. So it wouldn't surprise me if all three of those guys uh, have 500-plus yards this year. The question is, I mean, I, I think they want to play a lot of 11 personnel this year, and yet they've kept Ertz, they've kept uh, Goddard, and they, you know, they also have Jack. They have three tight ends right now, with Tyree Jackson probably going to return at some point. Um, so it's good. That's where that's kind of one of the unknowns. We don't know, you know, formation wise how they're going to line up. They 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 want to use their running backs a lot in the passing game, but I think those receivers are going to get the ball in space uh, on quick throws and and let them do their thing. Paul, what scares me to death about this football team is, since we're talking about wide receivers, is outside of Devonta Smith, Jalen Rager, Quez Watkins, I and I like Greg Ward. I just don't think they have anyone that can just step in there and have the type of production they have. Like, do they need to get somebody else in here just for depth? Well, uh, the you know, if, if somebody gets hurt, you're right. There's not a lot of depth there. Uh, I mean, I don't know what to make of Fulgham. They didn't. They've got him on the practice squad now. Uh, JJ, uh, I thought he was, you know, not going to make the team until he played well in the last preseason game. Um, yeah, there's not. A, I mean, I have a, I have a little bit more uh, confidence in Ward than you do, probably a, a little bit, Jeff. I, I mean, I just think he's a solid. He's not fat. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but because they're going to, because they're going to be facing a lot of zone defenses this year because of what. Hurts his running ability. Uh, Ward is an excellent slot guy against zones because of the quarterback background. He knows how to find those soft areas in zones, and you know I think he and and Hurts have developed some chemistry uh, for a lot of reasons, including the fact that he's a former quarterback. Now, again, he's not. I mean, Watkins has taken that third spot, and they'll either use Watkins or. Uh, Rager, I guess, right now in the, in that slot when they play three wide receivers. But I, you know, I think I think Ward still a pretty, can be a uh, productive receiver for this team. But after that, I mean, if, if they have one or two guys go down, they do have troubles, and they're going to have to 
I don't, you know, I don't know where they go for for answers because you know there there aren't a lot of guys besides Fulgham on the uh, practice squad. And you know what, Fulgham, you know, he disappointed me in training camp when when we talked to him late, and he was asked about what happened last year, and he he essentially blamed it all on the fact that Alshon Jeffrey came back, yeah. which I mean that is just I mean that's when you know when somebody like him says that. That's just a that's just a bad way to look at it. I mean, you're not looking at yourself, and 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 the fact that I mean, Alshon didn't even play that much anyway, so it was kind of a lame excuse. But that told me a lot about, you know, about how Travis was, you know, and he's a smart guy. I mean, he's smarter than that. He comes from a, a family, you know, the, a smart family, and how he looked at that situation and saw that is why he kind of fell off the face of the earth after those five games last year. Just amazed me. So I don't know what they do if they do have one or two bad injuries. Almost said the same exact thing here on Birds 365. So smart minds think alike. Um, we believe that the Eagles are going to run a lot of RPOs. Now we can't judge that from the preseason because the quarterback took all of 10 snaps. So how much are you going to take out of 10 snaps? But we believe that's the case. The guys who are down in practice seen as much uh, as uh, they run RPO type uh, reps. It's a required skill. It's an acquired skill. I never thought that Nick Foles was going to be good at it. And damn, wasn't he good at it in the Chip Kelly offense? It doesn't all have to be about the ability to pull it down and make uh, plays with your legs. We know that Ertz has that. We saw that firsthand last year. It has to do with feel and smarts. Is Jalen Hurts up to the task to make the RPO really work for the birds this year? Well, he made it work at Oklahoma. I mean, I thought it was, you know, I mean, uh, he, he was not a guy that, and, and we've seen it this camp too. He's not a guy you want sitting in that pocket uh, on seven stop step drops and, 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 and kind of take, you know, waiting for somebody to get open. Uh, it, it wasn't his strength. I mean, in, in camp, a lot of his bad throws were, were those kind. He was better when he was on the run. He was better when he was getting it out quickly on, on, on plays that essentially would be RPOs. Um, you know, the success of the running game is going to have a lot to do with that. I mean, if, the, if those guys – I mean, the running game is going to dictate a lot of his success this year. Not his running, uh, some of it, but uh, they, they just need to get the defense to respect the fact that they can run the ball. They do that – then you can do a lot of things with the passing game off of that. Well, one thing, I guess, maybe it's just me. I'm always excited for the start of NFL season, but, you know, just being local, I always get excited for when the new head coach starts. And it, it, it's definitely a great thing when it's a new head coach and a new quarterback. Kind of feels like 2016, in a way, um, you know, 99 with Andy Reid and Doug Peterson. Like, do you get that vibe just, you know, covering this team all those years? And what was your, like, favorite new head coach, like, experience of that i probably know the answer but <laughs> uh the thing i like about this group is and i liked it when they made the hire uh was they brought in brian johnson who knows jalen well uh, they brought him in as the quarterback's coach he's a smart i mean you know he, he was he was an up-and-comer at florida i mean he, he had two head coaching opportunity uh, interviews at boise state and someplace else last year so and he's only what 33 i think yeah. I think I think he's going to have a lot of influence on Jalen's success this year. Uh, and you, your second question, Jeff? Yeah, like all, all those years you covered the Eagles. I mean, you went through so many new head coaches, so many new quarterbacks. And, you know, it's a 
to me, it's always exciting. But, you know, what, right. what was the new head coach that where you were like just extra amped up for for whatever reason? I, you know, I would have to be Andy, I guess. Uh, Chip Kelly was 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 a novelty, uh, but that you know, uh, dealing with him was a challenge. Uh, you know, I mean, Andy was just you know, Andy came out of nowhere. Uh, Jim Hazlitt was the guy everybody was talking about. The guy Tom Modrak, who was uh, the uh, essentially the general manager at the time, wanted uh, Joe Banner and Jeff Lurie. Just uh, kind of over, not kind of they they. Uh, they preferred Andy, who was the quarterbacks coach in Green Bay then. And, and, you know, I mean, watching him develop as a head coach, he brought in two older coordinators, which we, you know, which Nick isn't doing, uh, by the way. It's the first time, you know, I, I think in the past, uh, Jeffrey has preferred when he's had a new head coach to go find some veterans as coordinators. That isn't the case here. They seem to, I think they're going to take a different approach with this group. It's like, they want to grow. They want to have them grow together. Um, but, you know, I mean, watching Andy w- with a quarterback, he was in a similar situation with Nick and, and, and Jalen first year quarterback. I mean, they drafted Donovan that first year and you got a chance to watch uh, Andy develop him uh, as a quarterback. So that, that probably was it. Who were you thinking I was going to say? I, it was Andy Reid, so okay. that, that's who I was because it, it just felt fresh after the whole Ray Rhodes era. I, I, yeah. I can't imagine covering that team. Right <laughs> Watch a lot of those games. I'm like, this has to be the most frustrating Eagles team of all time. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you, God, sorry, Dama. Oh, I was just gonna say, Jody probably remembers. I mean, John Gruden was here as the offensive coordinator for part of Rhodes's uh, uh, tenure, but he was he was very young uh, and. They just didn't have any quarterbacks that could play. I I was going to say, if I were to, Jeff had asked me the question, the coach that I was most pumped up for was absolutely Ray Rhodes. He gave the most inspirational first press conference. (laughs) He got the most Over Andy Reid, over Chip Kelly, over Doug Peterson, over Nick Sirianni. I actually wanted to go out and hit a blocking sled. He had me pumped up that day. Now, the error was what the error was, but I thought Ray was great in his introductory yeah. press conference. Do you remember that, Damo? Oh, yeah. he was, The man was inspirational. Yeah. I mean, um, Damo, he, he, I got to ask you about that coaching search. Wasn't it like Jeffrey Lurie wanted Jimmy Johnson or something like that? And then, like, what was the Dick Vermeil thing? He, he couldn't get him or they couldn't come to an agreement or something like that? I don't know how serious it was. I mean, they, they did talk to him. Uh, you know, I, I'm trying to think back. I don't know how serious it was as far as him. I know at one point they, they thought about bringing him into the front office. Um, they did a lot of research. They, they t- Well, they, they talked to people. I mean, and they they talked to agents, they talked to other players. They, they, they wanted different perspectives on a coach, not necessarily from, you know, I think it ended up being Mike Holmgren that uh, convinced them, you know, because a lot of people were telling them back, you know, this was back, back then, even today, you know, that coaches get criticized if, uh, you know, Doug Peterson didn't call his own place and it, it was brought up when the Eagles hired him. But, you know, same thing was the case with Andy in, in Green Bay. He was a quarterback's coach. He wasn't even the coordinator. But the, the last guy they talked to was Holmgren, who said, hey, you know, because everybody else was saying he's not ready. He needs to be a coordinator first. And, you know, Holmgren said he's ready. Uh, don't worry about the, the play calling uh, experience. 
he's ready to be a head coach. And, and they went with that. And it turned out to be, the, you know, the best decision uh, that Jeffrey Lurie has made since he's on the team. All right. Uh, last thing, Domo, and if you've thought of this question, I guess that's cool. If you haven't, I, I, I'll get you thinking. Week three, Eagles are playing. You're watching a game. Something happens, the way the game goes. Uh, something maybe an announcer says that catches your attention and the like. And boom, it just pops into your head. That's the question I'm asking when the game is over. That's what I'm going to put to Nick Syria. I need the answer. I need to know why this happened. And you're not going to get a chance to do it. Who are you texting? Which of your compatriots are you texting that either you're on the same wavelength from or maybe you don't think you'll ask the question and you want to lend him a helping hand by giving him the question. Anybody you're going to reach out with a text as an Eagle game is ending this year to go, hey, by the way, could you ask Sirianni this for me? Yeah, I'd probably, call, I'd probably text or call EJ, EJ Smith. Uh, <laughs> we've, uh, you know, we, we seem to be on the same wavelength more than I've been with. Uh, I mean, Liz and I have disagreed. Jeff and, and myself have disagreed. Uh, EJ and I agree more than we disagree. So okay. it would probably be him. Well, is there one over your career? Was there like one time where you asked a question and you got an answer that was, Totally out of left field that was just – you could write a story on a quote on it right away, even though that wasn't your intent. Like, can you think of any of those moments? Boy, nah, Jeff, I, I'd have to think about it. I can get back to you tomorrow. <laughs> I just wanted you to you send me a tweet on it be like, oh, yeah, I remember this from whoever, player X. <laughs> Damo, great uh, stuff. We appreciate well, you coming on board. No full well. We're going to be asking often uh, because we truly appreciate your insights and you got some downtime. So you might as well hang with us here on Birds 365. Exactly. Thanks for doing it today. And yes, I truly appreciated your final column. I thought it was tremendously well written. I could tell you put your heart into it. The Eagle fans will miss you, my friend. We'll try and give me a little taste of uh, Domowitz here on Birds 365 coming up. Thanks, bud. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Have a good day. Paul Domowitz, only been covering the birds for three decades here in Philadelphia. All right, Jeff Curry, Jody Mack, we're running late. Come back, we'll put a bow on the show. Wrap up another edition of Birds 365. Hey, Eagles fans, if you're a subscriber to the Jacob Media YouTube channel, you are already registered to win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming season. That's right. You could win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming 2021 season just for being a subscriber. If you're watching and you're not a subscriber, do it now. Subscribe to the Jacob Media YouTube channel right now. What do you need to do? Subscribe right now. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. 
IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. All right, clock's picking pretty good on us here on Bird 365. Got Jeff Curran for John McMullen, who is uh, off to Eagle duty, how to get his COVID test to be able to cover the team going forward. Once a week, he's got to go down. So we get uh, Jeff doing a great job filling in. All right, Jeff, you're going to uh, close out the show for us today by answering a two-part question that I'm going to put to you. Both fill-in-the-blank questions, and feel free to uh, answer them in whichever order you choose. The Philadelphia Eagles will beat the Atlanta Falcons because blank. Unfortunately, the Nick Sirianni era gets off with a loss and the Eagles lose to the Falcons because blank. Give me the answer to each of those questions. Feel free to go win first followed by loss or loss first followed by win. If the Eagles win, it's going to be because their defensive line just destroys the Falcons' offensive line and gets to Matt Ryan and doesn't allow Matt Ryan to basically throw it up to Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts and let them just destroy the Eagles' secondary. So I I actually think that's going to happen. I think the defensive line is going to have a big day. I will be incredibly disappointed if they don't. I, I think Atlanta's offensive line just isn't good. There are players I like on that line, but overall, unless Arthur Smith – you know, creates an offensive line like he did with the Titans and finds different ways with, with his concepts and stuff. The Eagles should have a field day. Now they'll lose if they let Matt Ryan just basically throw to Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, and Russell Gage all day long and let the big plays happen. And the Eagles can't stop it because that's what happened two years ago in 2019. Uh, Matt Ryan did a 
They contained Julio Jones the entire day. I know Julio Jones is there anymore, but the fourth down play, they let Julio Jones catch a 50-yard touchdown, and that was the game. And, you know, thank God Julio Jones is not on the Atlanta Falcons anymore because I had this as a loss when I did my win-loss projections in May. But Julio Jones was on the team. He's not on the team anymore. So I'm flipping here, and call me whoever you want. I'm flipping. I, I got the Eagles win this one. Yeah, but remember, Julio Jones did get his hands on the ball in the end zone in 2017 in that playoff game. And if he had come down with that one. I, I give a little more credit to Jalen Mills there, too. He put him in that position where that was the only way he could catch it. By the way, I'm still shocked Julio Jones did not catch that pass. Right. If, if you're if you're supposed to be one of the two or three best wide receivers in the league, got to make that play. Average wide receiver doesn't make that play because of the defensive effort. Best wide receiver in the league is supposed to make that play, and he didn't. And the rest, as they say, is history. All right. So J.K. says it'll be more Eagles defense against Falcon offense that determines it on Sunday. Could play out that way. J.K., good stuff. Uh, thanks, as always, for uh, filling in. You know, we'll be tapping to into you again soon enough. Thanks, brother. Always a pleasure, Jody. Uh, can't, can't wait for Sunday. I got two big ones. That's the Eagles. I get Browns, Chiefs, man. I, I'm excited. I'm so ready for football. Very nice. Uh, <laughs> Mr. McMullen and I will be back here the next couple of days. I'm going to ask the same question of myself that I just asked to Jeff. I just don't have to answer it yet because we got two more days to go. This week here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.